0: Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Page of Jim Bob Goley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Hippity hop in the Kings Herald Barbershop.
1: You're listening to the Kings Herald Show, a bi weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs. Ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the Kings Herald and my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going?
2: Personally, it's going pretty well. Uh, from my, a basketball team standpoint, it's going pretty poorly, but we're going to talk about all that today.
1: <laughs> it's, our, it's our first guest of the season. He's a writer for the Kings Herald, the host of an absolutely fantastic Kings Pulse podcast, and the only person I'll personally apologize to for not believing in Franz Wagner, Brendan Nunes. Brennan, we're lucky to have you today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on, guys. I didn't realize I was the first one of the season. Honored. You, you are the first one of the season. Maybe the last one of the season, depending on how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, the general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you today.
0: Boy, oh, it's really fun to be with you guys. Obviously, great to be with uh, Brendan. Obviously, uh, the pressure's on him. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not us. Everybody knows no. that We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so
1: we're, we bring Brendan on for credibility reasons. That's why he's. Yes, we out. we need we
0: need <laughs> credibility.
3: I'm I'm the newest one here, guys. I don't know where this is coming from.
1: <laughs> that's because you're also the only one that's not jaded yet, too, Brendan. Mm. Yeah. 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 They're so, breaking uh,
3: me slowly, though. I'm yeah, getting there. Yeah, this season will do it.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll get there. We'll get you there. So, uh, well, they, the Kings have had an interesting two weeks. the uh, The Alvin Gentry era is fully underway, uh, now sporting a five and six record. That from a thousand feet above, it doesn't look so bad. From people who don't really watch the Kings, five and six ain't bad for an interim head coach. Uh, from 999 feet and lower, things aren't looking so good. So, Jerry, we'll start here. Having lost three in uh, three in a row and uh, four of the last seven since we last spoke, what's wrong with the Kings?
0: I'd say just, uh, I like to believe in simple things because I'm a simple person, but I mean, that's defense. Start there. You know, defensively, this team is just uh, too many games that's just been inept. You know, when you give up 80 points and a half or 70 some points and a half, uh, you're, you're, you're given, you know, against teams that aren't championship caliber. Teams by any stretch—that's uh, that, the biggest problem. And I'll even simplify a little more, in my opinion, is that it starts at the guard line. I think uh, Halliburton and Fox are just doing a terrible job defensively. Uh, as much as I have been high on those guys, but uh, when the opposition uh, guards are able to to get basically to the three-point line with under no, with no pressure applied yet, something.
1: Something's amiss, as it were. <laughs> Brendan, what about you? I'm, I'm going to ask you the same question here. What do you think is wrong with the Kings? And, and uh, Well, I'll ask for solutions later, so just give me what you think is wrong.
3: I mean, the main thing that sticks out to me is, uh, is what Jerry said there, kind of just the perimeter containment. I think Davion's the only guy on the roster that stands out to me as somebody that's really good in that aspect. Um, and even then, I think Davion can struggle a little bit at getting through screens sometimes. He's still a rookie. He'll get better at that, but Um, yeah I mean the perimeter containment isn't great especially when the rim protection that you have is average like slightly above average like I think it's different if you're talking like a Miles Turner down there that you're kind of funneling everybody towards but that's not what we're seeing with the Kings and especially with Rashawn Holmes out Um, yeah that that defensive perimeter containment is definitely what stands out to me and it just gets even harder when you're turning the ball over and have poor execution on offense Um, they're throwing up some shots that I, I don't think are amazing and had 17 turnovers in each of the last two games. Um, so yeah, those are the things that stands out to me. And I, you know, Darren Fox is getting a lot of crap specifically for his defense. And I definitely understand and agree with that. Um, but I've been pretty disappointed with Halliburton on the offensive end. And I don't feel like it's been talked about all that often. I think that um, just the lack of aggression from him is, is kind of, has been an issue in my mind this season. And I, I think that that could still increase with time, obviously, but I think that Halliburton definitely needs to be more aggressive on the offense. Then
1: Tony, what else have you seen from this team that you're not liking right now?
3: Well, I'd obviously
2: agree with what uh, Brendan and Jerry said. Defense has been the the primary problem this year and going back, you know, basically 16 years now, but just another side thing that no one has touched on yet is, um, and I don't want to put it on Alvin Gentry's coaching specifically, I guess you could put it on Monty McNair, or the roster personnel, however you want to, Uh, wherever you want to put the blame pie, but Alvin Gentry is like cycling through so many different starting lineups and rotations and players. Chimezi Metu goes from starter to DNP back to the starting lineup. You've got Terrence Davis, who he sticks with through the slump. Terrence Davis comes out of the slump and now he's back on the bench and not playing at all. Uh, You've got Damian Jones coming in out of nowhere, obviously have the Rashawn Holmes injury, which is going to like screw up the front court rotation, but you've got a head coach who is also very much searching or five guys, eight guys, 10 guys who will play hard every night. And that's a big problem. If you've got an interim head coach who in his first 11 games has apologized to the fan base and then a week later calls his team's performance embarrassing, that's all in the span of 11 games. And this is also a guy who, like I said, is cycling through different rotations, units, players. Uh, there is a, a lack of consistency in who's playing, how they're playing. And I don't know who to blame that on completely, but it does seem like Gentry has run through so many different options here that at some point it comes down to the, the front office, uh, the executives, the general manager, to make some sort of a change because these players and all these different versions and combinations of these players are just not cutting it right now.
0: One other thing's interesting, and I agree with Tony there, but one other point, and we've also within 11 games, now have now had a players only meeting, which uh, those, those things are so valuable <laughs> and, uh, as yep. <laughs> basically everybody points in all directions except <laughs> themselves. I, I don't know. We may see a equipment manager fired here pretty soon, or an yeah. assistant trainer, uh, somebody that's really the problem.
1: No, no, no. You're right <laughs> on about that. Uh, I, I'm just I'm I was gonna ask you more about uh not the players but necessarily the coach. You feel like Alvin Gentry, who said he's going to look for guys. In his apology to the fan base for how they played, he said, "I'm going to find guys that are willing to to play hard." Do you feel like some of this cycling through lineups is just searching for somebody who gives a shit or is this something that he's, he's desperate to find a way to win any way possible. And this is just part of that.
0: Well, it's a great question. I, I think he is searching. I think, uh, you know, he looks like a coach knows the product he's putting out there. Isn't good enough and saying, well, if I try this, would that make it better? You know, it's the old, uh, truly the, the shift in the, deck chairs on the titanic let's move one over here and move one over here uh and i i sort of understand that to a degree but but i i, I think oh you know uh, the the product's the product the players are the players uh he's been with this team all year and in the last year so he he, he really knows the guys i think he's probably uh in my opinion experimenting too much i like I like a couple of things he's done. I think giving Mar- Marvin Bagley minutes has been a good move. I think Marvin has deserved them. Uh, not, not ready to put him in the Hall of Fame yet, but but he uh, he he is a merited minutes. And uh, you know, as it, and as I think uh, Brendan pointed out, you know, it's like you know, basically, uh, you got a problem, you know, protecting the basket a little bit. I think so. he's tried. to, All of his centers have played there, and and. and none of them have been terrible. Uh, you know, my contention is I don't care if you've got Will Chamberlain back there if, if they have to go pick up guards every three minute, every two or three possessions, and, uh, well, that means the, the, their guy's open for a dunk. <laughs> and I don't care what kind of shot blocker you are, you're not going to be able to to block shots that aren't taken and that dropped on our drop-off passes. And so, you know, it's the, you know, I, I just, I guess, and simply, I, I wish uh alvin and i do think he'll make the team better uh i do uh how how much better probably not much because how much better can they be but but i think he'll do a good job but i just wish he'd make them honestly hold some guys accountable now he has a little bit you know we saw he kind of benched the guys in cleveland which uh you know basically the reserves got him back in the, sort of in the game i uh, Sure. Uh, that sort of thing and i like that i mean it's a, uh, to hell with them you know if they're gonna get you in a big hole you don't owe them anything i don't care who what their names are and you know he has said that you know he's more interested in uh, what's on the front of the jersey that type of thing and I, I think he that needs to happen more uh, i think it needs to happen more i think the fans expect that from him you know because he has said some of the right things i mean it, but you can't just continue to, you know, basically be a joke defensively without somebody being held accountable, and uh, if, and you might even have to say mean words to some guys now and then, and uh, you know, might I don't know is there could be a somebody's feelings get hurt. Wouldn't that be awful? Uh, you know. But so, to this date, I, I just I just think. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's something that needs to happen uh, for this team, you know, to kind of get, get right with itself. I mean, because I, I really do see guys playing for themselves. You know, I think Buddy Heald has, has definitely started playing for himself. Uh, you know, there, there's reasons for that. He would say probably that, you know, when Harrison was hurt, why wouldn't I put in the starting lineup? And since Terrence Davis, it'd be a good point. Uh, it'd be a fair point, uh, but that doesn't mean you got to go out there and try to start chucking <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as you hit the floor. So, so anyway, I, I, just, I, I just think it's one of those things that, uh, you, you know, they are where they are for a reason, uh, that, that uh, the lack of defense. And, and, you know, and you see – you know, you watch Cleveland play and, you know, they're a young team that, uh, with a couple of veterans – man, the ball movement was nice, the screens, you, you know, you you could sit and watch them, and and you kind of knew as a fan what they're trying to do, you know, as a fan, you say, oh, yeah, this is what they're trying to do here, and yeah, well, that even didn't work, yeah, okay, but the Kings, it's like, boy, well, it's hard to spot, <laughs> it's, hard to, <laughs> it's hard to spot, other than just like, I'll just see if I can go beat my man, and sometimes they can, and that's nice, yeah. but that's not really a. That's not really an offense. Anyway, I've I carried on too much here, but but that's that's just some things I feel I saw.
1: We've talked about the offense, Jerry, but the defense. How much do you put on scheme and a Mike Longabardi, who's supposed to be the defensive coordinator here, and how much do you put on the effort that the players that the Kings do have and how they're executing that scheme?
0: Well certainly the no scheme can work unless there's effort, you know, I mean, defense more than anything else. I've always said in offense, you play with poise and control intelligence, the defense, uh, you know, it's, it's throw your butt out there and get after, them. you know, uh, effort, uh, uh, being fearless. Uh, you know, you, you, when you, you see a Davion Mitchell or Patrick Beverly or different guys around the league that play it, uh, and and so I, I yeah i don't know about i really don't have a good feeling of the schemes because i don't think we're getting any any kind of consistent individual effort you know one guy here one guy there i mean obviously rashawn holmes and davion mitchell i don't think i don't think anybody will question their effort and and on a consistent basis but i think you can question pretty much everybody else and and i mean and so when you can question a high percentage of the players, then don't be surprised if you don't have a good defensive team and, (laughs) and, and why any scheme wouldn't work. Uh, you know, if I had a second guessing, which I'm going to do, I I think they ought to play more zone just because at least you might take away periodically, at least take away something. You can dictate a few things with a zone that, uh, maybe protect, you know, you certainly could, you might give away threes, but you certainly could protect the basket better and, and penetration. So I, just as a thought, I, I mean, just as a tempo change or something different uh, as opposed to continue to get beat doing the same thing.
1: Brendan, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm sure you went over this on your own podcast, the, uh, the King's Pulse, but uh, last night, uh, Darren Fox, Jerry, if you hadn't heard, had a, a fairly long quote about playing hard versus playing sharp that he felt that it wasn't an issue um just to paraphrase a little bit that not too many people can make it to the nba and be lazy but that you know the issue wasn't with the kings playing hard he felt that they just weren't playing sharp enough and so brendan i'm i'm curious what you think of 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 fox's demeanor during that during that discussion but also what he had to say in regards to playing hard versus playing sharp
3: to me it kind of sounded like fox was just tired of hearing all the blame go on like a lack of effort every single night. Like I, I think he still acknowledged it. He, he talked about, you know, if there's a lack of securing 50, 50 balls, um, that stuff is still effort. I I forget what other example he pointed to, but there are still some things like actually running through your sets instead of jogging is still effort. So I think he still acknowledged that there's times that effort has been an issue. Um, But I, I see what he's saying with the, the timing on screens or the timing in your offensive sets, the communication that's going on on the defensive end, we've heard communication be an issue a lot with this team. Um, you know, I think Buddy and Bagley are the two guys that stand out to me where every once in a while it's like, you know, the, the my bad guys on defense, right, where it's just they they messed up the coverage or they didn't recognize the rotation quick enough. So to me, a lot of what I felt like Fox was saying was that, you know, he recognized his effort as an issue, but it almost the impression I got was that he's tired of hearing it all get blamed on that. Um, and that there's more to it, that there's a lack of like quick recognition and taking advantage of things um, if you're able to recognize it quickly with some of the players on this roster. I think he's guilty of that throughout this season. Um, you know, it was, I guess, nice to see him have some some passion. And, and James Hamm asked him about if he, if he cares about winning, um, which obviously wasn't James's question. It's just like something that's been thrown around a lot. And he gave a very passionate answer. So like, it's great to see that, but we saw passionate answers from Fox earlier. Like at, at what point are you kind of just hearing the same things and, and hearing things, isn't going to do anything anymore. So I think Fox's point is just that it, it goes beyond the effort. It's not that effort isn't an issue. It's just that there's more to it than that. Um, and, and to me, the more and capitalizing on things quickly. Sure.
1: Tony, I'm curious when I hear that, I, when I hear playing sharp versus playing hard, that, that speaks to me like he's talking about basketball IQ that, that if, if, if I I found the quote here, so I'll, I'll just play back for, or not play it, but I'll read back for Jerry, just the last bit of it. Um, When we're out there running a play, obviously you want to run the play fast and get into your shit, but it's not about doing the play hard. It's about doing it sharp. So if the timing is off, that's not about playing hard. That's about being sharp. If we screw up a coverage where you're not supposed to switch and you switch or vice versa, whatever it may be. It's not about playing hard. It's about playing sharp. You're not giving up 130 points because you're not playing hard. So to me, that sounds a lot like Fox is saying this team isn't smart enough, much, much more than it is that they aren't playing hard enough. What do you think about that? I mean, the, the unfortunate part for that
2: quote is if you watch the Kings, it's just not like the case. It's not what we're seeing on defense. Like we're just not seeing consistent effort on defense. So you can call it whatever you want to call it. And, I think Brendan mentioned it, but I know Omer has been, another one of our guys has been on this all year with uh, highlighting clips of De'Aaron Fox's just horrendous effort defensively at times, closing up with his hands down. There was a play the other night. It was the end of, uh, end of a, I think it was Charlotte, a closer game. Um, and instead of you know stopping a guy that was driving to the basket, he just held his hands down, followed him to the basket and tried to go for an intentional foul, whiffed on the intentional foul because one crossover, the guy got a free layup. So Fox is as guilty as anyone for whatever word, you want to put to this defensive issue but if you're just someone from the outside watching this team you can't tell me that they're playing with a hundred percent effort on every defensive possession it's just not happening we're seeing guys let people go to the basket not getting back on defense those are clear effort problems and while i'm sure fox is correct about the offensive part of this where there are guys who are not running through sets we've seen that and we've had uh, luke walton admit to it that players have broken off plays shot for themselves they definitely freelance offensively and don't run through their sets correctly. We've seen that for sure, but you just can't tell me that there isn't a defensive effort, focus, whatever word you want to use beyond just being sharp. There is guys on defense who are just not playing hard enough.
1: Jerry, yeah, I'm curious your
2: thoughts.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, to me, it kind of brings back the old saying, you know, if you can't admit you got a problem, you'll never solve it. And I mean, that's uh and I think a little bit of that, I mean, I agree with, I mean, I, I definitely understand his point. There's it certainly is not all about effort because uh, certainly on offense uh, it's not. I mean, there you know you basically, uh, as I've said, that's a poise, control, intelligence. Uh, you know, uh, all that stuff comes into play. But defense is more effort. It starts with effort. Uh, you know, I've always said uh, guys when they get tired never have a trouble running down on offense. The very same guys have trouble running down on defense. Sure. This, I don't make these rules up. This is the way it's been for hundreds of years, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, 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 I disagree with, I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of get what Fox is trying to say. Yeah. That it's not just effort that, uh, cause you can try really hard if you're doing everything wrong, uh, sure. You know, if you're getting caught on every screen, well, that's not good, even if you're trying hard and, and all that. But, but uh, I think it still starts there, and I, and I agree with uh, Tony. I don't see it. I don't see the consistent effort on defense. Uh, and, 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 you know, maybe my eyes are you know, gotten so old they can't see stuff, but uh, all I know is I'm seeing the Sacramento Kings guards give up more straight line drives and penetration than the opponent's. at some some point it's that damn simple Uh,
1: it's one of those things to me that I I I heard that and and I and I read it again today a couple times and I thought like well De'Aaron's not saying oh I'm worn down like he's calling himself stupid and he's calling him and Tyrese Halberton stupid because like all right it's not an effort thing oh you didn't put your hands up when your guy was coming through the lane not because you're tired, but because you're too dumb to do it. Like, you know, when you're playing sharp like that, or, you know, if the the word sharp is going to be used, it's like, so if it's not effort, it's, it's, it's the defensive recognition and whatnot. And if that's not there, that's an entirely different, you know, that's an entirely different problem. If the Kings basketball IQ is so low that they can't string together a, a good defensive game, then your star players just told you like, we're too dumb to win. And, and that's a bigger problem than oh we're just we're just you know there's a slog in the season and we're losing again and it's it's you know uh, if he admitted to it being an effort thing i'd have been like yeah i understand it's the kings you don't want to give effort after five years of losing but calling yourself kind of silly on that one is that was a little bit more concerning to me
0: yeah i think you can i think you can get caught up you know to where a guy yeah he can be playing hard and he forgets that he's supposed to double a sure. uh, double team on a low post hit or something or, or on back. Okay. That that's a mental mistake, but, but it still doesn't, you know, th- that's all that is. And, and that shouldn't happen. And those will happen, but I uh, like uh, I'll say to my dying day that the defense starts with the, uh, with effort sure. and intensity. It just does. Uh, you know, you see the difference in football. I mean, basically, the guys on defense are different mental. They're different mentally. They're, they're they're just all balls out. The offensive line they have to be under control, and and uh you know it's a, it takes a different type of guy, but in basketball you have to be that same guy. You know when you're on defense you need to be the balls out guy, and on offense the the poised and patient guy.
1: I, I think every middle school coach in America knows the phrase. Uh, hard hard, hard work beats talent when talent isn't working hard. And to me, it's like I'd rather five guys that work really hard and they're not so smart than to have five really intelligent guys that are just completely lazy because you know one of those they'll they'll get your tu- turnover just by working hard, not necessarily the smartest thing in the world, but on the other hand, the thing, if you're if you're smart and you're just lazy, you're not nothing's happening, regardless of how smart you are, if you're not putting it to work, it doesn't mean anything.
2: Yeah, I watched. um, I think Brendan mentioned James's question to Fox about uh, like if he cares about winning or however it was phrased. And I thought Fox gave a really interesting answer. And he ended that question or that answer by saying it was a real stupid question, not to James Ham but to that narrative, those people. And we, and I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact that Fox is hearing these things from people beyond us, beyond the media. He's got people in his mentions on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, telling him that he's a bum and he's not playing hard and these guys are lazy. And I think when he talks about like this effort conversation that he's tired of having, I think he's sort of taking it as like, how can I be lazy? How can I have no effort and still make it to the NBA, which is a fair point. But I think what we're talking about is more that like, you're obviously a good basketball player. You're not lazy yeah. in the general sense as an athlete, but there is a difference between the effort of a perennial losing basketball team like the Kings. And then there is an elite NBA effort that the best of the best show. And Fox has never been around that. So I'm not saying he doesn't, you know, maybe doesn't know what, that even is to the degree that it takes to win in the NBA. And I thought it was interesting how he answered that question where he was very aware of, of, the greater conversation that is happening beyond just the question that James Hamm asked him. Um, so that's kind of where I give Fox a little bit of wiggle room there is he may not be talking about the, this very specific example of the effort it takes to be a very good basketball team. And he might be talking about the people who, call him lazy or say he doesn't care when clearly he cares enough to get to the point where he is at right now. He just might not know what that extra thing is that these great NBA
1: teams have that the Kings do not. I wholeheartedly agree with that. That's a great point.
0: Yeah. The other, the other thing there too on Fox, I think is, is that uh, this young man, this is the first time probably in his life that he's under really come under any kind of criticism.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: I mean, not just due to, you know, obviously the contract is part of it, more, you know, more expectations and all that. I mean, I think it's, it, it's got to be tough for him. And I, 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 I think he's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's got to be a real jolt. To all of a sudden it's like, you mean I'm not great? Uh, I'm not the second coming? You know, I mean, that sort of thing. And I mean, he's a, he's a gifted young man. He's a bright young man. Uh, he has a, the, a chance to be everything we want him to be but it's also true he hasn't been. And like you said, uh, Tony, I mean, it's like, yeah, he's right. Uh, to get to the NBA, uh, yeah, you, you, you're one of the, the great players. Anybody that gets the NBA is, is sacrificed a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, the trick is the guys who are competing for championships sacrifice more. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chris Paul uh, basically is, is not normal. <laughs> right. uh, boy, I learned that. I've always learned that from, from Bill Russell and uh, Larry Bird, two of the great winners, you know, we'd talk a lot and, 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 and Bill would say, he said, hell, there ain't nothing normal about me. I'm, I'm, I'm basically a psycho. I'd do anything to win. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and, and like Larry had always say, he said, I, I said, you know, I, you know, i break a guys back. If I thought it'd help us win, you know, I, you know, and, and he made this always made a statement. I thought made made a lot of sense. He said, every player wants to win. There's a few of us that need to win. Yep. And, and, I, and I really do think that, you know, obviously not just the greats, but uh, the near greats, uh, that competitive fire, you know, I mean, you you, you see that in, in some guys that aren't even very good, you know, uh, you know, like uh, Smart at, at Boston. You know, I don't think he's a particularly good player, but, uh, but, but he's a hard-nosed competitor, a P.J. Tucker. I mean, guys have carved out a niche for themselves as really valuable players because they try harder and take it more personal. So uh, that's, that's what I'd like to see these guys do is take it more personal, you know, just take it more personal.
1: Is that something Jerry uh, just from your experience as a coach that can come from somebody that comes off the bench? Is that something that a team can rally around a guy who is, Who's a bench player? Like we'd hoped, Tristan Thompson would be the guy that, like, oh, he's the veteran leader that's got brought in so he could be the mouthpiece and he could really motivate these guys. Or we talk about Davion, who's a rookie who maybe he could change the culture. But doesn't that have to be a guy who's a leader on your team that's out there every single night scoring twenty points a game?
0: I suppose there's exceptions. I mean, it's certainly with a Thompson or a Davion or Rashawn. I mean, they they. They try hard. Yeah. They they bust their humps, uh, you know, and and certainly Tristan certainly will speak his mind. But he's a limited role player. Yeah. Uh, I do think I, I mean in general, and I, I I certainly been my experience that pretty much if you're going to have a, a, a top flight team, and we're not even talking about a championship c- caliber, but I mean your your best player needs to be your hardest worker and your leader. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean it, it doesn't always happen, but but it it certainly you know, and certainly with the great teams, I mean, uh, that we've seen through history, whether it's, you know, Michael Jordan, there wasn't anybody who worked harder than Michael. So it's hard for your second line players uh, to do that and certainly, you know, go down through history, uh, whether it's been, you know, I think Curry's a great example of a guy who nobody works harder at his craft than he does. You know, I mean, uh, just a an amazing physical, how he keeps himself uh, top light shape. So yeah, I think it honestly, uh, and I don't mean to be dumping on uh, D'Aaron here, but, but he, he really needs to be the leader of this team in every way. And, uh, I know he can go get 25, uh, but you know, every losing team has a leading score that's been, that's been established. Uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, with De'Aaron, I mean, he's such a bright guy and, and so gifted that, uh, you know, he could, he, he could just, and he needs to, uh, you know, and I'm not saying it, it, it's it's all on him, but it, I think his teammates probably are looking to him sure. for leaders, for, you know, for leadership or maybe, you know, Tyrese quit being a pussy and look to shoot or something, you know, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just sometimes it's just that, you know, uh, I mean, I've always said, I mean, just being around some guys, uh, with Kings and, you know, the Bobby Jacksons of the world. I mean, you know, he, he wasn't a, he was a leader in a different way, but he wasn't a team leader, but but he'd have something to say, sure. you know, he'd, he'd have something to say and, and the Mike Bibbys of the world would listen, sure. you know, and, and that's, to me, that's what we don't really have on this team. I, at least that I've seen.
1: So, running through these games since the last time we talked, I'm just going to run them down real quick, just so we can get to the question I've got here. They uh, they lost to the Lakers by 25, then went ahead and beat the Clippers twice in a row um, by nine and by five points. They beat the Magic by 12 with Adam Silver in the building, and it kind of started to look like maybe the uh, Kangs roller coaster was heading back up the tracks. And uh, and then they uh, they roll up into uh, Charlotte and play the Hornets with four uh, four forwards and a center starting because everyone else was out, and um, they uh, they lost by two in heartbreaking fashion where De'Aaron Fox missed two free throws that could have won or tied the game. Then they get absolutely manhandled by the Cavs, who, by the way, started their rebuild uh, three calendar years ago. And then they got absolutely smacked by the, the Raptors by 24. My question, we'll start with Brendan, and then you guys can go from there. Um, Brendan, is there any silver lining in any of the games or in this recent stretch of games for you?
3: I mean, if you want to say that, like, injuries have been a significant impact in this you know since Gentry's taken over he's only had two games of a fully healthy roster Um, I want to say it's seven games that Barnes has missed Um, Harkless has missed a decent amount we've seen Holmes now be out for what I believe is five games Bagley was out for a while as well so I think that you know he's had an opportunity to establish more continuity than what we've seen. Um, I, I forget who it was of you three that pointed it out earlier in the episode of like the lineup changing recently. Like Holmes is the guy out, and Len is clearly the one filling his spot. But then the other starter, whether that be Terrence Davis, Chemezi Metu, or Marvin Bagley, is still alternating. So I think that there is still that aspect that goes beyond injuries. Um, but I, I think it just – I don't know if I'm trying to find a silver lining somewhere – it definitely is significant that there's only two games that Alvin Gentry has had. What's probably his four most important players all available to him.
1: Sure, Jerry. What do you think? Is there a silver lining? Is there anything you saw in these games that that you can pull out as a well? That's a positive.
0: Uh, not much. Uh, you know, I, I <laughs> they didn't lose all of them. Well, yet. I mean, I, I think Brenda's point is is accurate. I mean, certainly with Alvin. It, it's tough as interim coach, number one, but I mean, to, to not have some of your key guys available, and I would never call Mo, Mo Harkless a key guy, but that's, that's just me. I think that's uh, empty minutes if there ever was. Uh, but, uh, but I do think, uh, and, and I don't like the idea, you know, I've said told you guys I, so many times, I, I believe in the Jerry Sloan method of never, never using, uh, you know, injuries as an excuse. Uh, and and, as, and especially this year when every team you play has missing guys you know so if you sure. if you know if you want to here again I, that's one of those things it's like well if you want to play that game then then you're always going to have an excuse <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and i and i think that you know i mean charlotte won with six or seven key guys out uh you know <laughs> so so there's that uh, and i so i i just i think that I would probably disagree with Brendan there, I, but I I do, think, I do think that if there is a silver lining, it's a fact that I believe this team has enough talent to play better. I think it's just an effort thing. I really do. I, I know that's a simplified version, but, but I said at the start of the year, I think it's the most talented team, uh, more talented Dave Yeager had, and it's more you know, and I still believe that and they have more actual NBA players on the roster than they've had in a long time, that an injury or so, uh, shouldn't hurt them too much. So it, I, I guess, you know, you can definitely, uh, fans out there can say I'm the old curmudgeon. I'm on uh, Greg Wissinger's apathy part here pretty much, uh, is that, but I, I just, I just, to me, it's start with effort, start with effort, uh, uh, I'm, and I've told players this too. It's like sometimes you, you may not give a shit, but for my benefit, fake it. Act like you care. You know, start there. Maybe maybe you will actually start to care if, if you act like it once or twice. Uh, you know, I, I've seen enough group hugs in my life here uh, <laughs> that, uh, no, just uh, just start taking it more personal. Just take it more personal. I, this team, if they do that, and they buy in, and they hold each other accountable a little bit. Uh, then you know it won't be just Rashawn and Davian uh, busting their humps. Uh, you know, being the lone rangers most of the time.
1: Honey, what about you? What do you see in in this last stretch that uh, that you could term as positive?
2: One, uh, I guess, big positive is that uh, De'Aaron Fox got off to such a, a rough start to the year offensively, and since Alvin Gentry took over, he's really turned it around there um he's you know our our questions with him in the first month was he's taking too many threes he's not getting to the free throw line anymore and he's shooting incredibly inefficient and he's turned all three of those things around under Alvin Gentry he's averaging 23 points a game He's getting to the free throw line six times a game under Gentry, which is sort of back in line with, with where he needs to be. He's actually hitting free throws better than ever. Just don't look at the, the Charlotte game, but he's shooting 82% from the free throw line since Alvin Gentry took over. He's also shooting 50% from the field since Alvin Gentry took over. So he's doing a lot of things offensively that is encouraging. But I would say uh, my, my best silver lining, my biggest silver lining is outside of the Kings organization. And that is that despite all the complaining and I think, you know, reasonable complaining we've been doing in this podcast They're 0.5 games out of the 10th seed, if that is the goal. The Western Conference is very flat this year. There is a ton of room to improve what is happening, despite how how bad it has looked at times. And that's why I continue to look at Monty McNair or the players in this roster to figure it out, because for a team that is desperate to end this playoff drought, uh, they talked about playoffs in the offseason. Their goals are still very much at reach. This is not a, a... season where they're you know 10 games out already or they're even five games out already no they're right in the mix in the bottom of the west with everybody else so for everything we're saying right now they have time to turn it around and will they won't they i don't know i do agree with jerry though this is the most talented roster they've had in a while the west is is very beatable so there it is i mean they there's just plenty of time for them to fix it
1: yeah i I agree with that tony and that was going to be the one that i i was going to mention that uh well, at least Alvin Gentry hasn't like tanked the value on certain trade pieces, and as uh, now I then I then I think a buddy healed, and I go, oh, well, you don't want to bring that one up quite quite too loudly, but but you're absolutely right in the sense that the the Kings still have the flexibility to do, they they can still pick a path. Uh, you mentioned that they were half a game out of tenth, they're also three and a half games out of eighth and three and a half games out of the worst record in the West, so they they're they're right down the middle of the lane there that they're one trade away from being able to solidify something i i think that they could make a run at an eight seed if they went out and got a supreme talent if they made a big trade for a a guy that would be the most talented player on this roster they could make a a decent run and, and and wind up a seventh or eighth seed they could also decide you know he could come to Vivek with the numbers and slap the artificial intelligence and everything else that got, got thrown at that Vivek. And Hey, the robot says it's time to blow it up. And they could, they could toss buddy and they could throw out Harrison Barnes and they can toss away enough pieces where the kinks could very quickly sink and wind up with a top four or five pick. They just have to pick a path. And so I I guess the silver lining is they haven't done anything bad enough yet to warrant one direction or another, you know, fans are are pretty dismayed. They're apathetic, but I think that's more over a lack of decision than the decision that's been made. And I, I they're they're very close to picking one way or another. It's just they got to pick finally, right here, right now. Yeah,
2: that's a good point, Will. I didn't even consider the other direction, but you're 100 right. I think the thing that frustrates fans the most, at least for me is lost seasons seasons in no man's land seasons where you are literally in the worst position you can be as an NBA team which is an 11 seed like right outside relevancy but not bad enough to land a top pick and you're right well they could go in either direction and I think that's like that's a huge silver lining this season does not need to be lost like last season was and the season before that and the season before that if Monty McNair picks a direction you can salvage something out of what has happened so
3: far. Is the 10 9 seed like I know that it the play in is a thing now, but if you make the 10 9 seed lose the play in, doesn't it practically fall under like a lost season? Like you're kind of talking about, yes, you know, sure. like I, I think it's easy, like this is just created recently. Like the 8 9 seed was exactly what you were talking about before, you know. No, you're
2: 100% right. Yeah, they got to, they, the, if you're going to go that direction, it's got to be I'm getting a playoff
0: series, I'm not just getting one game.
1: Jay, I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I
0: agree with that. I, I mean, uh you know, I mean, I, there's no reason this team really does, you know, like I said, I agree with Tony, it has enough talent to pick a, a path and should be no worse than a nine or 10, uh, but probably not a lot, not likely be better than that either, even if they get it together. And so uh, <laughs> whether that's the right path or not, I, I certainly wouldn't, I'd be like Brendan, I, I, I wouldn't consider it a success. At all to be tenth, now you because did, you didn't make the playoffs, and mm-hmm. uh, and if then if it's a one one and done, thank you very much. A uh, nice nice show type thing. I, I just don't see what that feeds the bulldog much, and and uh, so anyway, I. But, I mean, I do think, uh, but I also want to go back. I think Tody's points right on though. I mean, this I believe this team certainly is is capable of playing much better. Don't know they will. I mean, uh, until somebody steps up, probably the coach or a key couple of key players steps up and starts saying, "This crap is going to we're stop. We're going to stop this crap. We're, we're, you know, we're, you know, we're on board now. Whatever it takes, uh, we're gonna we're going to go the extra mile. Uh, if that doesn't happen pretty quick, I believe it would be blow up time. I would be on Will Griffiths. Uh, Uh, train right then Uh, there's a lot of room in this tank jerry yeah i mean really i mean it's to me there's no reason to get there probably in my mind they 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 shouldn't have to do that totally but but uh but hey if it's if if this is what we're looking forward to is more of this win a couple games and have a bunch of throwaways and and really not you know just not there's no reason to believe that there's a a silver lining down the road here. I mean, uh, you don't, uh, the worst thing is one thing to be bad, but it's a lot lot worse. it's like Wissinger. I mean, if you're going to be totally apathetic, that's the worst thing that can happen to this franchise. And that's where we're at right now.
3: My question to you guys that I'm curious what you think here is like, what can this roster really excel at? Um, Like the thing that we've heard is pace. And like Gentry said that he thinks speed is the best asset that this team has. And so they're going to be a really high transition team. To me, I feel like a lot of times that a team is really focused on getting out in transition. It's because their half court offense sucks and they're more so trying to avoid being in the half court. Um, You know, the Kings are good in the open court. So I understand it a bit, but I don't see how you have this very small lineup that has a lot of uh, a lot of guards that are getting heavy minutes, but you still somehow lack playmaking and penetration. You still somehow lack shooting in a way. Um, You don't make up for any of it with like an aggressive defense on the other end. I I think the talent that they have isn't great defensively. Like, you know, like I said, playmaking is lacking. I just don't know when I look at this roster what I think that they can excel at. You know, they could be the hard-nosed team that's annoying and and just tries harder than everybody else. Like, obviously, I think everybody would love that. Um, but I just think when it comes to the roster construction, which is what, at least for myself, a lot of the conversation ends up coming back to, I don't know what this team is built to be good at.
0: Yeah, I I, I really agree with you there. I, I've always, to me, I, I've never quite agreed with that pace thing. Uh, it's like if you're a team that, Is is basically not particularly good rebounding team, and uh, you turn it over a lot. Well, duh. Why 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 would that work for you? Uh, You know, I I said really when you're a lesser talented team uh, compared to some of the others, I think the 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 less field goal attempts, the less pace, probably you got a better chance winning 105 to 100 than 130 to to 120. Uh, you know, it's the old boxer mentality that, you know, a great boxer, the more rounds you fight, the, the more likely the better fighter is going to win. And, and I think that the same thing applies. I mean, I always, always knew just from, or felt from my years in, in college, it's, uh, you know, that I, I, when I had teams that really had a lot of talent, yeah, we play really fast and open it up and, and, you know, try to, cause we knew that, you know, if it got to be a hundred, we'd get it, we could get a hundred and they couldn't. Uh, so I had teams that weren't very good and, and sm- but smart and slow and we'd play half court, you know, and and I mean, we won to want to win 65 to 60, you know, and I, I, I do think this team and I think it's been a flaw and these guys have heard me till they're sick of hearing me about it, but uh, this team's half court offense is just, I, I just don't see it, uh, you know, I mean, it's as as we're talking about Cleveland, you could tell what they're trying to do. And this team, you know, they'll, they'll, they do have, I think the ability to score, they've got scores, they've got shooters, but it's like, where are the shots coming from and when, you know, I mean, Fox is so good. Yeah. He can go get a shot and, and get a pretty good shot. Well, that's, that's wonderful. But how about the rest of them? Does Kyle Burton know when he's going to get a shot? Doesn't seem to, uh, so, yeah, I, I just think this team needs more structure, more structure, not less. Uh, certainly in the open court, every team is good in the open court. <laughs> I mean, since mankind, everybody's right. good in the open yeah. court. But when the other team is scoring on you, like we've seen because of poor defense, you're taking the ball out of bounds. You ain't going to beat anybody down there. You, you better, when you get down there, you better have something you're running. And uh, yeah. so that's, that's Jerry Reynolds simplicity one one but I still think <laughs> it's, it just comes down to that.
1: Well, I take Vivek at his word when he fired Mike Malone, Mike Malone had a, you know, he knew the personnel that he had and he kind of slowed it down. They weren't necessarily a quick team and they were playing like Jerry had said, you know, they, they were built around DeMarcus cousins and they played like it.
0: Yeah. Who couldn't run and wouldn't run.
1: Yeah. And, and it probably wasn't healthy for him to do it you know, seeing as how his career's turned out.
0: No, I mean, that's like DeMarcus. I mean, why would he want to play that way? Uh, I I tell you why. He wouldn't, because he knows if it's a half court, he'll get the ball, you know, if if it's a, you know, so these guys know that. I always said that was one thing about Mitch Richmond. He didn't want to play a fast pace. He wanted to play, make sure it's a half court because he was the guy, and of course, why not? He should have been the guy and uh, he was very effective. So he, he'd much prefer, okay. You know, running the open court, but after made baskets, let's uh, we got 24 seconds. We'll get down there and get us a shot. Mainly me. And so, so anyway,
1: Well, I, I trust Vivek when he said he wanted to move away from a Sousa marching band to a jazz band. I think he's, I think he, you know, from the very start has wanted to emulate the warriors. He wants a, a quick tempo. He wants a lot of shooters. He wants exciting basketball. And so the team yeah, does. Yeah, no, and it's and it's not it's terrible. But I think they were built to be a high scoring team and they've kind of course corrected one way or another. Like, oh, well, we need defense now. So let's go get a rookie who plays defense and let's go focus on a couple of defensive players who can't score. And it's just kind of it's it's just a it's just a car with three wheels. And it's it's just unbalanced, and and every time they try to correct something, it opens up a bigger hole one way or another.
0: Do you know, it was a lot like last year? I thought it was interesting. Uh, you're watching the championship series, Milwaukee and, and Phoenix. Now, now both teams, you know, would take uh, scoring opportunities to open floor, but they're very good in the half court. Uh, very good in the half court, and okay. not particularly, and really not especially. Milwaukee, not great three point shooting teams. But they, and they both really look for the, the, the high percentage two point shot. I just said, now that's good basketball. Is that a mystery to people watching? Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a, I mean, sure, I, I, I'd prefer if the Kings could do it, if they could play just like the Warriors and all that. That's really fun to watch. I love watching them. But last time I checked, I did not see Steph Curry walking through that door and uh and and till you have uh, a a main guy like that uh, what what do you what do you why would you think that why would you think that hey, i'm getting carried away here
1: no 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 not at all jerry no this is our time we every two weeks we meet up to to talk smack about what we need to talk smack about and praise what we need to praise
0: <laughs> well i've i've been building up here I, but i know it's just it just, I just think this team is is capable of of, of so much more, and 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 by by just, sure. you know, basically just buying in and and doing what you're good at, not what somebody thinks you might be good at.
3: Tyrese and HB are, are guys that really stand out to me in the half court. It's like two guys that are borderline forty percent three point shooters are having nights of of not really getting it up. Um, you know that. Tyrese is defenses are going under on Tyrese. And I think that that's another thing I think of when Fox talks about being sharp. I think Tyrese just recognizing quickly that defenders are going under and being able and comfortable pulling that. Um, you know, I almost wonder if it has some sort of function to do with like him having a low shot that maybe is a little bit slow. Um, I, I think he needs to do a better job of being comfortable and confident from three Harrison, uh, you know, everybody talks about like, we've seen the team be better talking about the first 10 games of the season. The things that stand out to me is that they were fully healthy for those 10 games. And that Harrison Barnes was throwing up a crazy amount of shots. He was at 6.7, three-point attempts a game, uh, 22 points per game. And then we've just slowly seen that fade away. Like, I I don't know where that aggression has gone. Walton said that he wanted Harrison getting up six threes a game We heard Gentry say he wants, he's fine with anywhere from eight to 10, but he doesn't want to push Harrison to a point where he's taking shots he's uncomfortable with or anything like that. But obviously he can increase the volume and still knock them at a decent rate. Like those two guys to me really stand out as, um, just need to be more willing, confident and comfortable getting up more threes per game. You know, there's nine games this season, Harrison's attempted three threes or less, and the team is three and six in those games. There's seven games. Tyrese has attempted two threes or less. The team is two and five in those games. Like, I think that, and then you look at guys like Maurice Harkless that are, that's not shooting, or I'm sorry, Davion Mitchell, Chemezi Metu, De'Aaron Fox, guys that are clearly worse three-point shooter than those guys. And they're still getting up similar volume. Like, I think that when it comes to you know some of the half court issues, I think there's too often that Tyrese and Harrison kind of, aren't felt out there to me
0: well that that goes back to I, I think that's why you need more structure i mean those guys are not one-on-one guys and and uh you need to help them get shots and they need to know where their shots are likely to come from uh, i really believe that the kings uh, have failed those two guys i really the, up late and uh yeah but you know Fox can go get a shot those two guys really can't at the same level and so you, same way with Rashawn Holmes, I mean, what a productive guy. Well, get him more shots. He won't take a bad shot. Uh, give him more opportunities. I've always said, you know, uh, instead of the guards being under pressure out there, uh, uh, throw the ball to high post, have him flash up there, uh, Rashawn will move the ball and take the pressure off the dribblers. Uh, we don't do that enough. But but anyway, I I definitely think with, with Halliburton and, and Harrison, uh, you, you really you've got to do some things to make sure they get involved and, and know that they need to get shots uh, because they, by nature, they'll just kind of blend in. And we've seen it, you know, now uh, these guys, know. I, I I think the other thing with, with Halliburton, no, he has got to develop, you know, the ball fake three and the escape dribble and a jump shot. And he really doesn't have that. And teams know that. And so they go under and, and challenge his uh, three-point shot and he doesn't have anything left. And, and so I, I think that, but th- to me, that's a minor thing, really. That should take him about one month. <laughs> <laughs> one month That's a, of actually saying, no, Harrison, this is what you do here. You know, I mean, Burton, I mean, it's just like uh, just a little ball fake and get the guy moving and then you escape dribble and splash one. But uh, anyway. And you know, I'm just full of all kinds of
1: stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I'm going to roll over to you here with this question to start. And then uh, I'm going to, you know, it, it'll roll from there, I promise. But with, uh, with this podcast dropping on the 15th of December, which is, you know, 95% of the league is now available to be dealt. Um, what do you think Monty McNair should do between now and the trade deadline, uh, February 10th? And then an entirely separate question here what should he do? So what will Monty do and what should he do in whatever order you want to answer that?
2: I think that Monty McNair is going to push for the playoffs. Whatever that looks like, I guess we'll see. To Brendan's point, it's very risky because uh, 9 and 10 seed doesn't really do it. You don't, you like you need to push for the playoffs and then put together a roster good enough to actually get you a full series because I don't think that, you know, one and done is going to do it for anybody, uh, including the people inside the walls with the king. So, But I do think Monty McNair's uh, direction this entire time, although his lack of movement in general would maybe have you question it, has been to get this team back into the playoffs. They've been win now for a while, and I joked about it last night, but it's true. Like, we're still watching largely Vlade Divac's roster here. So I think the the clock is ticking for Monty McNair to make some, some tangible change, like some real change to this roster. And that's the direction I think he will go in by the deadline because uh, the fans are upset, man. And the attendance is terrible. Like, I don't think ownership is going to want to see no one at the games. I don't think... McNair is going to want to have this narrative around his tenure. I mean, he finally got a chance to run his own team, and it's going pretty horribly so far. And I think at some point, and I know there's a lot of conversation out there about you know, why do you expect the Kings to make a move now when we've been waiting for this move to come for years and years and years. I sympathize with that point, and I agree with it to an extent. But I do think the clock is ticking here on both this core and any positivity around McNair's tenure that he is going to actually finally do something, whether it's the 15th or the deadline. I just can't imagine this team, and maybe I'm naive for expecting something to happen, but I just can't imagine a general manager who finally gets his opportunity to run his own team is going to let his his job, his career run its course without doing anything interesting at all. That's not why you get into this line of work. So my prediction is the Kings do something and it's leaning win now. If you're asking me what I would do, I'm I'm more on your side, Will, than sometimes I maybe say on this podcast to offer a different opinion, but I'm definitely pro tearing it down a little bit to, and getting some, some younger players, some younger assets in here. But I do think the Kings will, will go for it and we'll see if it works.
1: Jerry, I'm curious. What do you think? What do you think Monty is going to do? Because you've got a GM's brain in your head and uh, what do you think he should do?
0: I like think I got a deteriorating GM's brain in my hand, but uh, but that's another story entirely. Uh, I would, I would tend to agree with Tony right down the road. I, I think they're going to try to, you know, to tinker around the edges. I think that, uh, and, and, you know, and try to make a run at the play and to be truthful. I think that's, and, and they're probably good enough to do that, which, uh, it's maybe, maybe it's not a win at all, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of leaning. <laughs> yeah, I'm scary. leaning a little bit toward the, like I say, the the wheel train, uh, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I really, but even at, at that rate, if to me, uh, I think from the fans perspective and I'm, that's what I am now is that I, I just feel like I, I want to see something different. Uh, you know, I mean uh, if it's tear it up, that I can go with that uh, or let's make a legitimate trade, not, not, you know, not, not a fringe guy. Let's if we have to package whatever assets we got to get one player, that's a really good player Uh, because it's a matter of, it's not a matter of of quantity with this team, it's quality. And, uh, and so, whatever you can do to add a quality player that uh, could could fill in some gaps. And then that's what you do. If you could do that fine. Other than than that, then you're just, you're just here again, rearranging the deck chairs and I just soon see it be blown up as do that.
1: Sure.
3: Brennan, what do you think? Yeah. um, I mean, I'm definitely with, with you guys that I don't think we've been given any impression that the Kings would do anything, but try to win right now. Um, what, whatever that may look like, I think that like retooling makes sense to me. Um, I wouldn't, I'm not somebody that thinks to move on from Fox or Halliburton or anything like that. Like, I think if you move on from Fox, the beginning of this five-year deal, you just have to look for another player the caliber of Fox. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, if your decision is to retool to having Fox on the roster, especially from what we've seen the past couple of years means that you can't be towards the middle bottom of the lottery sort of thing, if that's what you were aiming for as your way to acquire more top end talent. Um, So I I would really listen to offers on Harrison Barnes. um, And obviously it's going to kind of depend what is out there, but I don't know that after this year and next year that I mean, yeah, next year, he's just going to have even less value. He'll be expiring. and team will only get him for a portion of a season. Um, yeah, I, I think that retooling and getting a little bit younger makes sense to me. I, I don't think that, like I said, Fox is just starting a five-year deal. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is just in the second year of his rookie contract. Like, I think that it's easy to forget because Fox has been around for a while. and And, you know, that counter is that, like, Fox will ask out. And if he does, you'll get a somewhat decent return. And I think that'll be the obvious time where it's like, okay, you can completely decide to rebuild and and bottom out of sorts at that point. Um, But it's easy to forget that like Fox is under team control for a while. Um, So I I think retooling and getting a little bit younger makes sense to me, but I, I would be surprised if that's kind of the direction that we saw them go in, unless there was some sort of offer for, HB and or uh, Rashawn that that really blew McNair away. I'm, I'm more so expecting that we hear a lot of things about Buddy, like we have for the last two years. Um, and Marvin is the guy that stands out to me specifically. Is like I'd be shocked if he was here at the deadline because I don't, I, I wouldn't guess that they bring him back next offseason with everything that's kind of gone through with Sacramento and Marvin. Um, he, he's got a decent sized contract. Like you package him and Tristan Thompson, you're up to twenty million. Him and Buddy are up to max money. So Bagley's the one that stands out to me when it comes to what I'm expecting as he's the one guy that I, I genuinely expect to be gone.
1: Yeah, um, um, Jerry, if I, I think that if they just retool around the edges, if they're just, you know, working around the margins, trading for vets or trying to find a, a fifth starter that that's, you know, of Moe quality or better, I, I think Monty McNair is gone in the off season because I, I don't think that's enough for them to get an eighth seed. Or get a full-on series. Uh, I, I do think that's what they'll end up doing. I think that Monty McNair is going to try to. You'll hear the Kings in a lot of trade rumors. You know, like like we've we've heard before. You know, oh, the Kings are interested in this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy. We'll get hyped up for the trade deadline, and then maybe they have uh, the gall to trade Harrison Barnes or or Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley. I don't think that they're going to make a a move that really penetrates the starting roster to get anybody as good as say Rashawn Holmes or the Aaron Fox um, in terms of what they should do. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm the tank guy here and, and, and I've tried to be a lot more uh, soft with it this year in terms of our discussion and our content. But I, I do think that as Brendan said, a retooling or a, a two year rebuild is all you need, you know, keeping Fox in the meantime, if you can, that's all you're going to need in order to get this team headed in the right direction. I don't think Kings fans necessarily need to have a winner i think they need to see a team that plays hard and gives a shit on a, on every single given night um I, 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 the kings just played cleveland cleveland they're playing memphis on friday both of those teams started their rebuilds in 2018 that's that's three calendar years between when they stopped being relevant and when they started being relevant again and and memphis is arguably they've been relevant pretty much the whole time there was a year where they Won twenty two games. That's when they picked up Jaron Jackson in the draft. But the next season, they jumped to thirty three wins. They had a bunch of vets on their team. They got lucky enough. They jumped to two and they got John Morant out of it. But Cleveland, Cleveland had nineteen wins two years in a row, twenty two wins, and 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 now they're you know they're already at seventeen wins and they're fourth in the in the Eastern Conference. And all they had to do was have a a a, a front office that was patient and willing to make the right moves at the right time.
3: The counter, like I'm with you. I think that is a great path. I think that um, if I wasn't clear in that, but I think like the the counter of the other way proof of it working of kind of sticking with this and then trying to make moves would be um, Phoenix is obviously thrown out there a lot. The Chris Paul situation is like an outlier, but outliers will happen every once in a while, I, I guess, is a way to look at it. Um, and then Chicago is the other one that, you know, they they kept their guy in Levine and um, still decided to kind of build around him through trades and and free agencies. Nothing super splashy or anything like that and ha- have made really good teams. So I'm definitely with you. Like, I think the path that you laid out makes yeah. a lot of sense. I just uh, just to present that, you know, there's another way that it could work. Obviously, it hasn't. They've tried, but
0: yeah. oh, absolutely. it's there.
1: Oh, I'm not I'm not ever going to try to argue that one way is the right way and that's the only way but but it, we also aren't chicago we don't have a michael jordan hanging from our rafters we certainly aren't phoenix in terms of our weather or anything else like that like we we don't have the talent that phoenix had prior to chris paul going yeah all right I'll, I'll i'll head over that way and and to your point about uh daren fox wanting out okay so trade him you know uh, he's i'm not saying he's necessarily unneeded or superfluous but like you have your point guard in the future and in, in Tyrese Halliburton. You, you're you're negotiating from a position of strength in De'Aaron Fox, in the sense that you've got Davion Mitchell who who you believe in and 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 Tyrese Halliburton. And if those aren't your guys, trade those guys too, and trade as many people as you need to who don't want to be there anymore. Fox is going to get a good return, regardless of where he is on his contract, yeah. and it, it, it'll be something where, yeah, you lose Fox's scoring, but as Jerry mentions a lot that you know, there's always going to be a leading score on a losing team. So you have Halliburton, Davion, you, you take away the person that maybe is, I'm not necessarily accusing Fox of this, but Halliburton's learning habits right now from De'Aaron Fox. And if De'Aaron Fox is disengaged and isn't playing good defense, well, then you stick Davion Mitchell next to him and him, and he's going, hey, man, we're, we're the starting lineup, and I'm going to work my ass off every night. Maybe that lights something under Tyrese, and you get a small forward for once in 15 years. But, but I, I, it doesn't have to be – there will never be another process. There cannot be another five, six, seven-year rebuild. I don't think Sacramento would stand for it. No, the league. But I do think <laughs> – no, or the league, absolutely, Jerry. But two years. Give it two years and, and have a team that's still vying for the 10th seed, but they're a lot younger, they're working their ass off, and, and Sacramento is going to get behind them. Own the, own the losing streak forget the losing streak all, all together, make it a part of the culture of Sacramento. And that, yeah, we have it. Okay. So what, when we win a championship, it's not going to matter. And then move on. Yeah. And and, and it, it'll be a lot easier than this middle ground where we're begging and praying for uh, one game in the postseason.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, one thing I would say to that is that, you know, in order to improve and change at first, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, and, and I think we're, you know, as a franchise, this, this franchise seems to want to stay in its comfort zone too much. And I think that, you know, uh, takes some risks. Yeah. You know, the other thing, I'd say a couple other things. Uh, I've, this past week or so, I've, I've talked to several people I trust around the league that are still kind of involved, you know, just to kind of get some thoughts. And uh, the, the one thing I've, I think I found out is that, that really on the Kings roster, Probably uh, Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes are probably the only two guys that really have a lot of intrigue for a lot of teams. Uh, Really, I I was surprised that really De'Aaron really doesn't have as much as we might think, uh, partly due Mm -hmm. to the contract. Uh, You know, I mean, I I think, and plus the other thing is I think with De'Aaron, as good as he is, I think a lot of teams have their guards. Yes. You know, I mean, and so, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's it's like, uh, well, I, I kind of learned like with Philly. It's like, well, you know, he's probably better than Tyrese Maxey, but Maxey's really good and he's tough and he's young and he's cheap. And it's like, yeah, well, okay. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And I mean, I, so it's been kind of a little bit of an eye-opener to me and I, I and I trust these people. So I'm not saying that, that they don't speak for every team. Uh, but uh, anyway, I mean, I think, but to your point, uh, well, I think if you're really gonna do something to shake the team up, those are the two guys that's going to bring you the back, the best, probably the best deals, and it's also two guys that's going to make your team worse by yes. losing them.
1: <laughs> we see with Rashawn out how how good a defense they play, and so, uh, you know, it's one of those things that either of those guys, I would be sad to see them go because the team failed while they were there. You know, oh, they had hopes for a eight seed, and but I've seen that three other times in this in this fifteen year period of time, and I'm tired of it. You know, I'll take three more years of, of okay, nineteen wins, twenty wins, if I get to watch five kids that roll out there every single night and dive on the floor for loose balls, and they're growing and they're learning, but they're trying, and they've got a coach that's smart enough to put them in a half court set and teach them and that kind of stuff, because this this middle of the road stuff, Jerry it's obviously not working and it hasn't worked now for, for 10 of the 15 years.
0: At some point you you just have to have a a star, a real star. And I mean, I, I mean, I've always said, and I think Fox, I'm not, he, I think he can be that, but, uh, you know, having said that, I mean, at this stage, I think you need another guy, at least equal talent wise. That's more of a natural leader and, and driver. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, Uh, I think with, with De'Aaron, he can be, he can be the leading scorer on a winning team. I believe that. Uh, But he might not be uh, your, you know, you you add Jimmy Butler to this team right now and they're five games better. You know, I'm not that that's the right guy, but, but one way or another, (laughs) for example, yeah. Or, or you're lucky enough to get Scotty Barnes in the draft and, and you, you, you feel a lot better about your future, I think type thing. And, uh, so, I think you're right on that, Jerry. So if you find uh, – well, if you find the next Scotty Barnes uh, in this draft, then I'm ready, I'm ready to sell, sell out, Betty.
1: Jerry, I am I looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Jabari Smith, Jr. Who, who's that?
1: Jamari Smith, Jr. <laughs> we, we've had
0: his dad.
1: <laughs> yep. We, uh, you know, and, and to your point, Jerry, about uh, Rashawn and Harrison being the two best players or the players of the most value, and that's our, that's our small forward, power forward, and our center. And this draft is chalk at the very top with power forwards, small forwards, and centers. So if ever there was a year to trade your center or your power forward slash small forward, this is the year to do it because there, there's some guys right at the top of the draft. And the Kings will get worse. They'll get bad enough to get a top seven or so without those two guys. And you could replace them immediately with a – I'm not even saying Banchero or Hol- Holmgren, but Jabari Smith Jr. is one. Uh, Kendall Brown, Jalen Duran, these kinds of guys that, yeah, they're franchise changers or or they're close to it. And uh it it wouldn't take it wouldn't take five years. It wouldn't take Sam Hinkie. It it would take Jerry Reynolds, Will Griffith, you know, Tony and 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 Brennan here and, and we could we could have this team in a playoff contender in no time.
0: Well, I think I, I certainly think Brendan and Tony can. I don't know about me and you will, but uh, <laughs> I'm, think- I'm the
1: raw raw guy. You send me out to the, you send me out to talk. I'll, I'll talk it up. You, we got the brains, and you and I can talk, Jerry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'll I'll do jersey design and press conferences, and Jerry, you handle the rest.
0: I'll handle the popcorn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, before we get to the uh, Patreon question of the day, I got one last thing for us. Um, in the spirit of the holiday season, I want to ask each of you for one King's related wish. Doesn't necessarily have to be realistic. I don't even think it necessarily has to deal with the space-time continuum. You can wish for something from the past to come forward or whatever. Just hit me with your wish for the Sacramento Kings uh, for the rest of the season.
0: Well, my wish would be at some point for the Sacramento Kings franchise organization to recognize uh, Rick Adelman uh, as certainly recognizing him in a way to uh, a banner, a jersey, or something—the greatest, the most valuable person in the basketball in the history of the sacramento kings in a 35 year more than any friggin player eight years eight playoffs eight winning teams tell me and he's in the big hall of fame so put that guy up there good grief
1: amen to that one Brennan. tony what do you guys got
2: i guess i'll go first um i want a direction and we've been saying it for years i just want like I'm sick of what we're seeing right now. So do something. Are we winning? Are we losing? I'll I'll get on board with either one. I mean, well, the the sick truth is I'm here no matter what. <laughs> if they do nothing, I'll still be here. But I would like for my own viewing pleasure, and I know I I've, I've see this from the fans all the time, just pick a direction. Are we going for it? Are we not going for it? And then we'll talk about it after the fact. But by this deadline, by this Christmas season, uh, let's get a direction from the Kings and, and move on from there.
3: My wish, I guess, will be... Um assuming that they are going to kind of go for it, which I think most of us, if not all of us in here, I think said that we think that's probably the way that they're going to go. Yeah. My wish will be just some sort of identity. Definitely are. Find some sort of consistency, find what you're good at. Um, that, that, that'll be my wish right now. And uh, can I already say that Will is not allowed to say gold jerseys? Does he have to go a different direction? Or
1: I, I wasn't even thinking about it, Brendan, but now I am. <laughs> <Low>. No. <laughs> No, uh, my wish will be for uh, that uh, in this offseason that the Kings pick a a not a competent coach, but a great coach. I don't care where they get. You can pull them from the G League, from college, from somebody else's bench, from a a long list of people that deserve their shot. Um, But my wish is for a top five coach in the NBA. I'm not selfish. I don't need the best. Just give me top five and I will I will I will be a happy camper, regardless of the roster. a a, a great coach will do something with it so if monty decides to put all of his chips in on miles turner okay the kings will have a direction and a great coach if they decide to tank okay well then they'll have a bunch of young guys and a great coach neither way for me that's a win and i will be happy watching my really terrible team run around in very beautiful style okay so so we're gonna go over to tony now tony why don't you give us our patreon question of the day? Sure. Thanks, Will. Uh, every
2: episode of this podcast, we ask one question from our patrons at kingsherald.com slash, or sorry, patreon.com slash kingsherald. Uh, every question that you guys ask will get answered eventually. Once a month, we do a Patreon-exclusive Q&A with Jerry. So whatever question we don't ask on the main show here will get asked uh, at the end of the month when we do our Patreon-exclusive show. But Will, you made a good, good comment there at the end because this question ties into what you were saying. Um, this question comes from Ron, and he asks... If Greg Popovich was suddenly the coach of the current Kings, would they make the playoffs? Uh, And Jerry, we can talk about that specifically, but I think the the question really there is how much could an elite coach elevate what is already
0: here? Well, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if Greg Popovich were the coach and had the head camp and the whole thing, I I think interim stuff is very different. Uh, But you give him camp, uh, he'd make this team – whatever the record is, five to seven games better. Uh, I think, uh, I think. you know, in other words, I, the reason I say that is it's a, still it's the players. That's why, you know, Steve Kerr won 15 games one year. Uh, he, he wasn't dumber. Uh, you know, Pat Riley won 17 games one year mm-hmm. when the roster's not there. The Coaches can't win games, but they can make talent uh, more accountable and better. And, and that's really all you can do. I always said there's only two things you can do as a coach once a roster is there is motivate them and utilize them correctly. And I and and I think with the with the top coaches, uh, you know, the spolsters and the Quinn Snyders, uh, certainly Greg Popovich, I think uh, I think that's what you see on a more regular basis. I mean, in eighty two games, uh, nobody uh, as a team that's motivated highly, all 82. So there's some throwaways, but uh, so I don't know if I uh, danced around that question, but I'm confident of that. And I always said, every level you go up, a coach probably is a little less valuable. Uh, A high school coach probably has more control of winning and losing than an NBA coach does. Uh, The players become more important. The coach becomes less important as you raise levels. I've always said I could go coach junior high school right now. And I know I can take just about any team and make them really good. Uh, <laughs> I know that sounds egotistical. I know I could. And uh, <laughs> I would love that. I would <laughs> well, Mrs. Reynolds would, not so we'll, we'll just let that we'll <laughs> sure, just let okay. that go. Fair enough. Uh, but but anyway, so so I, I hope. But but I think that's that's where yes, uh, a guy like Popovich would would certainly have an impact, and it would be a positive impact.
1: I co-signed that. I absolutely co-signed that. Brennan, I don't know about you, but.
3: Yeah, I definitely do. I was trying to look at teams that I thought had a similar talent level with their rosters, but better coaches as some sort of examples. Um, like Memphis came to mind. I think they're a little bit more talented, but specifically like since jaw went down, you've kind of seen what they've been able to do. Um, I think the Clippers without Kawhi is somewhat comparable. Um and, you know, those two teams, like I think Taylor Jenkins has proven to be a really good coach. Obviously, we've seen Ty Lu prove that over his amount of years in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Jerry's point of having a full offseason and training camp with the team is important as well. But um, yeah, I think there's teams that you can look at every year of like, you know, the Kings are just as talented as this, but they're not able to optimize that talent when it comes to the win loss record, as some of the other teams that they should be rubbing shoulders with when it comes to, um, the names on and, and talent level on the roster. So absolutely would make the team better.
1: Okay. So Jerry, why don't we uh, wrap this up tonight by uh, going to the, uh, the Reynolds wrap up. What do you got for us?
0: Well, uh, you know, I, I go back on kind of square one things we were talking about earlier. You know, I, I just, I think for this team, uh, You know, they can have all the team meetings uh, all they want, uh, you know, but at some point I want to hear the guys take personal, take this thing personal. It's on them. Uh, You can't solve a problem until you admit you've got one. They have one and it's up to them to solve it. And that starts with consistent effort on the defensive end. And until, until they buy into that and admit to that, it's not going to change much. And but the, the, the good news is they have the ability to do it, which is what pisses me off the most is because they could do that. Uh, anybody that can play high level offense can also play high level defense. Uh, so, so that, that's it. I just got to get it all out of my system, fellas. I mean, so I'll be a little better, <laughs> better person, but I, I, I really just, I just believe that completely. And I, I don't think, as yet, I don't believe these guys are ready to buy in. Uh, to To it's on them. It's on and the main guys. I mean, that's that's Halliburton, that's Fox, that's uh, Harrison, that's Buddy. That's uh, you know, that's that's all of them. Everybody has to. It's uh, until you buy in. Why would you think your teammates are going to?
1: Well, for uh, everyone here at the, the Kings Herald, I want to first thank uh, Brendan Nunes for coming on. Brendan, you were fantastic. We appreciate you. You want to uh, shout out your podcast or your Twitter or anything else?
3: No, uh, I think you guys did it enough. I'm all right. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, glad to do it anytime, guys.
1: If you aren't listening to the Kings Pulse, you really should. He's also uh, at Brendan Nunes NBA on Twitter. See, Brendan wouldn't do it, so I will. I'll do it one more time for him.
3: I just, I knew you would do it and it makes me look better. <laughs> so it's perfect.
0: Well, you're terrific. You do a great job. I, I, I tell you what, I, I'm a fan.
1: That's the Jerry endorsement right there.
0: Although, by the way, I don't agree with miles Turner. But, uh...
1: <laughs> so for everyone here at the Kings Herald, uh, I want to, I want to thank you for uh, listening to another episode. Um, you know, this is a long slog of a season suddenly, well, not so suddenly, but it, it, we're here again. So we appreciate you sticking with us and uh, listening to all of our, airbrain opinions on everything and uh, we will see you in two weeks with uh, some more ideas on how to fix this team or blow it up or or something in the matter and uh, and uh, we'll see you then so we appreciate you listening we'll see you soon